evening to all of you. It is a privilege and a blessing to be able to be here. I really regretted not being able to make it last year. I kept trying to figure out how I could try to do it. And I told my husband, I said, I've been able to make it to Ruston, which is 20 miles from my house. And I said, I can ride to Ruston. I said, let's see if I can ride to Monroe, which is 50 miles. And I made it over there, but I couldn't go in the store with him. He went into Sam's, and I had to sit in the car. I couldn't do it. And I, he come out, and I was sad. I said, we can't go to Ohio. I knew I couldn't, and since that time, it's been uh, quite a trial. Many of you know, and I don't know if I can speak very long or speak much at all tonight, I want to thank God for the strength that he's given me, for the trip that he's given me. And uh, many of you know what happened to me. Some of you may not have, but I want to take you back. A couple years ago, I was here, and I remember in that meeting I had told the Lord, you know, a lot of times I come because I, I, I need camp meeting, and um, I don't ever need to preach, but I told the Lord, whatever you want, you know. And Brother Tony says, i got to have you preach. And I said, okay. Then he come back and he's like, I gotta have you preach again. And <laughs> can you do it again? And I said, okay. And I know God really helped me. And that last time I preached on a Friday morning, I preached on faith. And uh, some of you here, you can look it up and listen to it if you want. But it was a message that I feel like the Lord just rolled out of me. There was a lot of, a lot of testimony I had about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and how he's kept to his word and how, you know, he, would, he was no respecter of persons. What he did for me, he would do for everybody. Some of you remember those, those, those anyway, I'm not going to repeat the message, but I was in the process of also writing a book on how to have faith to encourage people on how for their faith to work. And I never got any further than the fourth chapter, but I got started on it. And I went on a little vacation in August, and I thought, you know, I got to do that. I got to, I got to fix that. That was after the July camp meeting, and and I went home. But in the process, I had also years ago had prayed that I wanted to be part of the Bible Path Sunday School literature, and I wanted God to give me that opportunity if ever someday. And I had mentioned it to the guy who had owned the uh, rights to it uh, several years ago. And he called me up and said, you still want that? And I said, yes. And he says, well, I'll, I'll sell it to you and I'll turn it all over to you. And so you all know at that time I was running a cafe and I was had a lot of things going on. And I picked up a new job of uh, writing Sunday school literature and editing and and getting Bible Paths Sunday School literature out, which was, uh, well, I go back a little bit, I hadn't really ever started. He got the whole year finished up, and he said, you'll be ready to get started on the next year. I've got it ready for you to go the next year. But November came, and I was working really hard with the cafe and everything, trying to figure stuff out. And on a Friday night, I think it was uh, the Friday before Thanksgiving, Phil and I had went grocery shopping, and we come back, and I was so exhausted uh, after working all week, and then we had to do the grocery shopping on a Friday night for the cafe again, and I, and I was just worn out, and I, 
we went down to a little restaurant and ate, and, and I was driving home, going home, and I told the Lord, I said, I, Lord, you got to be careful with everything you say. You say you want Bible pads, Sunday school literature, even when you're 19? It might happen. <laughs> you know, that's what I told him way back when I was 19 years old. And But anyway, I was on my way home that night, and I said, Lord, I love everything that I do for you. But I need a break. I didn't know what I was praying for. I just knew I was really tired and very exhausted. And I said, I, I just need a break. Well, the next morning I woke up with a really high fever, almost 105. Blood pressure was off the charts. Pain was extreme. Had no idea what was wrong with me. I didn't know a person could go from 100% to zero in, overnight. I didn't know that that was possible. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't get in bed. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I couldn't bathe. I couldn't do anything. And I didn't know what had happened, but I thought, well, I've just got a stomach virus or something, you know, it'll be over. And, and through the course of the week, um, I started developing a great big, huge knot on my leg, and I thought, oh, it looks like I got gout. And so I started treating it as though I had gout, and, and thinking, I'll, I'll get better, I'll be better. And next thing you know, Sunday, the next, I missed one Sunday, but the next Sunday rolled around, and I couldn't walk. And I thought, well, this is... It was frustrating to me because I thought I had a church waiting on me and uh, I can't walk. And, uh, and I thought, well, I'll be over with it in a, a day or so. Another, within a week, I started getting blisters on it. And I thought, that, I must have, I don't know what I did to it. You know, I must have put the wrong thing on it. You know, I shouldn't have put that on there thinking I was treating my gout. And I put the wrong thing on and I got a blister on my leg and my ankle is where it was at. And, by the end of that week, that blister was black, and then there was another one, and, and I realized there wasn't anything I can do. I wasn't fixing whatever my problem was. And I thought, well, I'll go down, and I'll see a doctor, a friend of mine. She used to play the piano at our church, and I said, I know she loves me, and she'll do her best for me. And, and she looked down, and she said, you're a very sick woman, and you're right at being sepsis. Is that what they say? <laughs> anyway... And um, she said, we got to deal with this immediately. And they took me in, and it was so bad infected, she couldn't numb it. And so she just started cutting. And um, I remember telling me, just try to think of the, the best thing you can think of. Think of something that's very peaceful while I cut this out of your leg. She said, you can holler and you can scream, but you cannot move your leg. And um, so I thought, okay. I put my hand in my mouth, and I began to bite. <laughs> and uh, I kept trying. And the thing that I kept trying was to see the face of Jesus. And I'm not really sure why I thought that that was important at that time, but I kept trying. And all I could see was like, that much, and it was the crown of thorns. And I, I began to think of his pain, and I thought, just nothing like mine, I can do this. You know, I mean, his was a lot worse than mine. But anyway, I don't want to go on into great lengths of it, but 
I just thought I'd be well pretty fast. And uh, it lingered on. It gave me antibiotics I was allergic to, which caused a lot of stomach trouble that I still have today. But anyway, I lost the skin off my hands and my feet twice. I lost all my hair. And uh, so I'm very thankful to have hair. <laughs> I found out I'm not a very good-looking bald person. <laughs> Some of y'all can pull it off good. I couldn't. And uh, I wore a hat. But... Uh, God was with me, but I, I didn't feel him. Just to be honest, I didn't feel him. And I think that was one of the most disturbing parts to me. Because always before I could just get a word from him, you know? And it felt like he was just silent. And I thought, I don't even know, I don't even know how to pray. And I thought, Lord, are you fixing to take me? I didn't think you were now. I think that if you were going to take me, you would give me a little bit more notice. But if not, it's okay. I just got started on too many things, God. I got the Bible pass now, and I've still got so many other things going on. I just didn't see how it was the right time. But I kept telling the Lord, whatever you do, just make sure you get the glory out of it. Whether it's my life or my death, don't let me die without you getting glory. And that's, I really meant that. My daughters kept saying, Mom, Mom I'm afraid you're going to die. You're going to die. They kept checking on me all the time, which I'm thankful for. Uh, but I finally told them, I said, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die of this. <laughs> they said, you look really bad. I said, I know, but I'm not going to die of this. I'll die of something else. And then finally, later, they kept saying something. I told, them, I told them one of them, I said, listen, I'm going to live long enough that y'all are going to pray, Lord, please take her. She wants to go. <laughs> and I believe that. Um, but I think it's important for us to understand some things. A declaration of faith is not only a pledge of loyalty to the Lord, it's a challenge to Satan. And you need to know that. He doesn't want you to just keep going happy-go-lucky without having your faith challenged. And God is faithful to us, who also wants to prove something to us, to the devil, and to the world. That he's still God. And it's all okay. I did hear from him. One time through the process, I was, I, nights, I never slept. I just couldn't sleep. It was days on end, no sleep at all. The pain was so horrific. I don't know how to describe to you, but I would, I would be laying there and I don't know if I was in my mind or out of my mind. They said I was out of my mind part of the time. I think I may have had a stroke. I don't know. Um, I remember one time Phil looked over at me and he says, close your mouth. You look like you're 100 years old. <laughs> I did. And I, so I thought, I will I'll just smile. So I smiled and showed all my gums up there. I didn't know I was doing that either. And my daughter says, what is wrong with you? And I said, why? She said, you're... 
You're smiling, showing all your gums. <laughs> so I don't know what all the extent of that what happened, but I know God knows. And I know that it was, I knew immediately it was attack from the devil. There was just an inside knowledge that I knew that it, he was after me. And I would tell Phil, I said, I feel like I have an ankle bracelet from hell on, on with the bite of the devil in it. I said, there's no way else to describe, but it has to come from hell, whatever it is. But they cut all of that out, and I began to heal, and they told me that um, I would have to have skin grafts, that it would not, the skin would not come back. And then she said, but your blood pressure and your blood sugar is so off whack, you know. She said, with all this going on, she said, um, we can't even do skin grafts on you. And I was like, I looked at her and I says, you know what? God is bigger than that, and he's going to put skin on my leg. And, and I just want to thank God that they told me it would take a year and a half before I would have skin on my leg. God did it in six months. And uh, so I, it, it healed up, and God did that. Um, but God is faithful. During that time, I know there were a lot of people praying for me, and I wanted prayer. I didn't know who to ask for. I was just asking everybody, you know. It was just, we were just asking everybody. I remember this one particular day. It was in February, and I was sitting. It, they had got me up to drink a smoothie or something, and I was sitting there, and I was saying, Lord, is there somebody I, could, I want to call somebody to pray for me? And immediately, Brenda Borders came to my mind. I thought, I need to call Brenda Borders. I think she would pray for me. And I looked down at my phone, and I thought, i got to find her number. And I looked down, and it was her birthday. And I said, no, I'm not going to bother her on her birthday. I don't remember what day that is exactly. Is it 21st of February? 20th? It was your birthday. And I saw that it was her birthday, and I thought, I'm not going to. I do it. I said, Lord, you, you know what I need, and you've heard my cry. I know you have. It wasn't long after that Brenda called me. She said, uh, I'm coming down, and I'm coming down to pray for you. And I didn't know the whole story until a bit later, but she said on her birthday, she was in her house, in her only private spot she's got, and she said that she was praying and the Lord told her, you're to go, you're to pray for Sister Sarah. And it was on her birthday. And she said the burden was so heavy, she knew she had to make a special trip to Louisiana to pray for me. I just want you to know that that was a sign from God to me, that he heard me, he knows my cry, and he knows what's going on in, in our lives. And I don't want to focus on my pain. I know that's not at all what I want to talk to you about tonight. But I do want to tell you that immediately beginning through all this process, my prayer began, Lord, restore me. Restore my soul. Now, I'm not really sure why that became such a, a prayer of mine, but restore my soul. And I kept thinking about the scripture in Psalms you know, 23 where the passage was that he restoreth my soul. And so I would read over that. He restoreth my soul. 
He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I'd read the, the whole Psalms 23 over and over again. It would say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then I would say, if the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want, why would David pray for his soul to be restored? What could have happened to David who knew that the Lord was his shepherd and had so much confidence in God that God was going to take care of everything in his life that David would say, he restoreth my soul. When does a Christian need soul restoration? And so I started studying a little bit more. And looking at, and there's a guy named Philip Keller who wrote a book about Psalms 23 and the shepherd's uh, look at it. He was a shepherd and I think a pastor as well, but he had a, a perspective about, as a shepherd, about raising sheep. And so as I've been studying that passage of scripture, just trying to glean from it, like, what does God want from me? What do I really, really need? I, don't, I didn't understand but it talk, he talks about in there what that means. And I'm just going to give the brief. If you ever get a chance to read the book, it's a good little, little small book, but it's a good little book. And he talks about this passage about uh, being restored, that sheep need restored. And he said, what happens to sheep, and this is when my prayer the night before come really real to me. He said, what happens to sheep is they get overburdened, he said many times they are expecting, they become expectant and um, uh, with young or then he said they become heavy and many times they get loaded down with wool and they get really, uh, you know, the wool is heavy and he said the wool is something that will end up collecting so much stuff around the mud and twigs and even more stuff, the wool, the wool will collect. And he said, so a lot of times these sheep, they be, after they're taken care of and everything, they're just, they're just weary. And they look for a place to lie down. They need a little rest. And he said, so these sheep will go find a little hollow place in the ground looking for rest. And they'll lay down. And he said, what happens is they turn over just a little bit too far. And their feet go up. And they can't get their feet back up underneath them. And he said it's a really dangerous thing, especially when the weather's hot, that these sheep can actually build up gases in such a way inside of them that it kills them with just in hours. He said if the weather's cool, he said they'll die within days. He says why it's so important that a shepherd goes and all the time is counting his sheep to make sure he knows where they're all at and what's going on with them. David had prayed, it's a situation what they call a cast down sheep. I don't know if you know have heard of that, but David would say it is in his other writings, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And he understood exactly what that meant, is it felt like that he got down and he couldn't get up. And it was, there was something that had weighed him down, or he, he knew he wasn't what he needed to be, and he needed the Lord, and the, what the shepherd does is restore a cast down sheep. And they said a shepherd will go, and once he finds the sheep, He'll pick the sheep up and immediately begin to just rub him to invigorate to get the circulation going back in his feet and his legs. But he said, the shepherd, the shepherd will take the sheep and will put him between his legs and will hold the shepherd, the sheep, for a long time. 
talking to the sheep, encouraging the sheep to get the sheep where it can be stable upon his feet again. The sheep can deliver the babies or whatever is needed, but he gets the sheep back, back in his care. And said a shepherd's very careful to watch the sheep, and he's always looking to restore the cast down sheep. And for some reason, I knew that was me. I had prayed, Lord, I love everything I do for you, but I need a break. I was looking for that, but I want you to know that so many of us have so many things that have come against us. And I was thinking, you know, my pain is not unique. And I know I was listening to some of the stories of the troubles that many of you all have had just in the last year and a half. And I thought, yep. The devil has been on a rampage. He's been on a rampage. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Satan is doing all he can to knock down, to discourage, to wear out the saints of the Most High. That's what he does. To accuse, to attack, to disappoint, everything he can possibly do to destroy your faith in God. I lost a lot during that process. I had to close the cafe. I had 13 people leave my church. I shouldn't say my church, but the church. With no explanation at all. Only thing different was that I got sick. So there was a lot of things that was going on, not only the loss of my health, but the loss of my business, the loss of my everything, and then not knowing if I was ever going to get back up on my feet again, literally. was in a wheelchair for quite a while, was in a walker for quite a while. Um, a long time to be able to walk again. I'm still not very good at it, but... Um, I want to thank God for what he's done and that he does restore our souls. First Peter says in 5, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Cast all your care upon him. He cares for you. He hears the slightest whimper. He's looking every day to where you're at and what's going on. He knows your size. He knows your burdens. He knows when he feels like, I can't really know if I can take it anymore. Sometimes there's so many things that are happening in the world and it just seems like, what's the use? 
What's the use? Look what I'm up against. But I think what a, what a good God we have, that he's willing and he cares for us. But it says be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seek, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And there's some things we need to know about that. It was a couple years, I made about it a couple years ago. One of the young people up here come up and ask me, he says, I want to ask you a question. How is it possible that you not know the devil if he comes about as a roaring lion? You know, it looks like, how, how could you not recognize that, you know, as Roaring Lion? I said, well, you know how lions do that, don't you? And they said, no. Well, a man in, from Africa told me, he said that the way the lions would work at catching their prey is they will go to a place where they're at, the, the, the prey is at. It says the lion will put his nose, his head to the ground and roar to the ground where no one, none of them can see him, but they don't know where he's at, and they all start running. And the roar scares them, and so they all start running, and next thing you know, he's got one right past him he can nab fast. But it's important for us to know, there's another thing in this verse that's important. It says, seeking whom he may devour. Satan has no more authority to devour you or to take charge of you or destroy you than what he's given permission. The word may means you have to get permission. It didn't say can or is able to. It says may. It means, it means that, may. Does he, can he? Possibly can because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Right? But what may Satan do? I want to tell you, Satan's not going to be able to do any more to you than what God allows. It was Brother George Wilson from Cuba who made a statement, and I wrote it down, and I keep it in my office above my desk, and it says, Satan works in the world by the courtesy of God. And I love that statement. And I think that's exactly right. Satan can only operate by the courtesy of God. Which reminds me of the story of Job. The Lord brought it up to Satan. Hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. And Satan says, yeah, but you keeping a hedge about him. And he says, you know what? I'll let you, let you get to him. So he just took everything from him. All of his family and all of his possessions. He lost it all just within minutes. He got the report. And what did Job do? Job said, bowed down and began to worship God and said, naked came I into this world. and naked I, He said, he's going to worship the Lord. Amen. The Lord goes before again and faces Satan again. Have you considered my servant Job that there's none like him in all the earth? And the Satan says, yeah, but skin for skin. A man will give anything for his life. And the Lord says, okay, you can do anything but take his life. And so Satan began to afflict him and afflict him. The one question I have, how long did that last for Job? That's one of the questions I wanted to know. I'd like to ask, you know, Lord, was that 40 days or was that a year and a half? <laughs> you know, was it, how long did that last for Job? I don't know. 
but it lasted as long as it needed to last. It lasted as long as God allowed it to last. That's how long it lasted. And I want to know we still have the very same God that was the God over Job. And I want you to know whatever afflictions and troubles and trials you've gone through, they have been permitted by the sovereignty of an almighty God, which is hard for us to understand sometimes because our question almost every time is, why, Lord? Why? And not every problem comes because you fail God. There are problems we have because we do fail God. That was one of the things that God spoke to me in the, the night and the only thing that he ever really said to me. I said one night after a sleepless night, I said, Lord, what do you want of me? What do you want of me? And all he said was, your will. I said, you got it. Whatever. I was wanting sleep. That's what I was wanting. And when he said, I want your will, and I said, that's fine, God. I want your will, not mine, even if I never, ever sleep again. The Bible tells us to resist Satan, steadfast in the faith. For the last several years, there's this particular verse in a song. I believe it's a song called Overcome. And there's a phrase in there, face the legions dark until they flee away. And I've always thought, I've been thinking about it, I've been thinking about that song for, for a long time, and I thought, we as Christians need to be able to stand up and face the devil head on and not let him take, not let him take and destroy, and we need to face the legions dark until they flee away. Well, that's easier said than done. I love the song. But I would always say, that's what I want. I want to be able just to, Face the legions are, because I always felt like there's anything that I don't want to handle is that. But I'm thankful that we can resist him steadfast in the faith. And I want you to know that all the very same kind of afflictions are accomplished in everybody that's in the world. Now, you might not understand it, and we don't have to understand it. But one thing we have to do, we do need to know. The Bible says, but the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory. What is God wanting from you? What is God wanting from me? He wants us to go from glory to glory and continually be changed more into his likeness and more into his image. And those of you who have a heart for God, there's all kinds of ways that God accomplishes it. And yes, he allows Satan to do some work. He allows things to happen to us. There's a passage, and I, and I don't ever really study this guy, but there was a passage from the William Barclay Study Bible. And he said that, um, he was making some reference to about this, this passage of Scripture. And he said there's something that suffering does that having the easy way could never do. He said, suffering is meant by God to add the grace notes to life. And I thought, that's beautiful. The more you want God, you need to be prepared, but I want you to know the closer you can get to God and the more you can know him. In the New International Version, the, uh, the uh, verse 10 and I want to read you from the New International the way it says it this way. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ 
after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. We heard testimony this morning of Brother Sherm, beautiful testimony of what God's been doing and what God's did in his life. Her testimony concerning Sister Donna of what God's done uh, in, in her life in the last year or so of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And we all know that we all could go at any day, at any time. But at the same time, God has promised us his faithfulness. God has promised us a restoration, not only body, but soul, spirit, mind, emotions, everything. And we can count on him to, and to be faithful to the character that he is. So many times we get to the place to say, oh, well, oh, well, whatever. You know, like I don't, and I was there several times. I just told the Lord, you know, you got me this far, be easy, go ahead and take me on. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't take much. And in fact, I would like it if you just took me on. But I'm thankful that the Lord has promised that he will restore to us. In the book of Joel, he says he would restore to us the years the locusts have taken. I know there's things in the many people's lives that Satan has come in. And maybe they tried to serve the Lord once. But Satan has just come in and begun to steal things out of their lives. And to begin to destroy them where they feel like they can't serve God like they ought to. I want you to know the Lord can restore to you all those years you think are way behind. And no, no, you can't go back and start over again, but you can start again to make a brand new ending. You can do that, and you can do that today. And the Lord can restore to you. Many of you know a brother Moore, who, Earl Moore, who was passed away a few years ago and was, had the privilege of preaching his funeral. He died right before he turned 100 years old. He was expecting to have a big birthday party. and He was 99, and uh, he, was, he was a character. But I can remember his testimony about how he was, a, he was an electrician and he got electrocuted while he was uh, on a roof of a house. Something happened, and it burned him so severely they pronounced him dead. And he, he said he was burned so bad that uh, it was just bones that was left. All the flesh was gone and melted. He could stick a pencil through his bones in his hand. He said he was pretty bad. But he said as he was dying, he cried out, Lord, save me. And the Lord rescued him. And, of course, he says he saw hell, and he also he says he felt like he did, and, he, and that the Lord came in and delivered him. But he was 49 when that happened. And he told the Lord, he said, I'm so sorry. I feel like I've wasted so many years. Will you give me that many years to serve you? And God did. Brother Moore was looking forward to a big birthday party and he was telling me about it. And it was just a few months before his birthday and he got really sick and he was in the hospital. And they called me in for prayer and said, you know, he wants this, we want you here. And I, I was praying the whole way there. And I told the Lord, I said, what, you know, I need to know, are you going to heal him? Are you going to take him? I need to know how to pray. And, um, the Lord said, tell him I got his place ready. So 
So I went in and I told him, and I said, you know that 100th birthday party you're looking forward to? Well, you're going to get to have it in, a, in heaven. And God said he had your place ready. I want to thank God that he restored to Brother Moore the years that he asked him to restore. God did that for him. He promised to serve him the rest of his life, but he asked God, would you please give me as many years as I served the devil? I want to at least serve you that many. There was a lot I learned from Brother Moore, and I really appreciate it. But the devil has done a lot of things to, to take away and to steal and to destroy from a lot of people a lot of things. There's a passage of scripture I was reading the other day in the book of Isaiah. It said the Lord was looking down on his people and there was a lot of problems he saw. And verse 22 of Isaiah 42, it says, But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes. They are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey, and none delivereth for a spoil, and none saith, restore. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, what a terrible situation that was actually happening to God's people. They had been robbed. They had been spoiled. They had been trapped. They had been tricked. They had been led astray. They had been in a place that said they were like in a prison house. And there was nobody demanding. As the Old Testament said, if somebody ever stole something, they were to restore it, sometimes sevenfold. They were to restore. If even a man took somebody else's wife, they were to restore it. I mean, if you took something that didn't belong to you, you were to restore it. Any time that was something was done wrong, there was restoration that was required. Yes, so many times we can sit back and watch as the devil comes in to do all of his pillage. And who's saying back, you got to give it back? You got to give it back. I have a lady in my congregation who had a son who was, had got wild and got on drugs and become addicted and did a lot of things he was sorry for now. But it looked like he wasn't ever going to get help. He would get help for a little bit and run back and get help for a little bit and run back. But there was something about that lady and the way she prayed. She would begin to thank God for what God was going to do with her son because he was going to restore her son and bring him back. And she began to kept on believing there's restoration for my son. Well, I want you to tell you today, God saved the boy, and he really is serving the Lord, and he's there at church, and he's involved with the Lord, and he, he's so in love with Jesus, and it makes a world of a difference. But I want to tell you what, somebody was saying, no, Satan, you can't have him. You've got to restore it. And I want to thank God tonight for all the people of God who began to cry out on my behalf and let the devil know, no. No. Are you standing up? Are you standing in the gap? Are you the one that's helping to restore the one who's been overtaken in a fault? Are you the one that's actually reaching out for the restoration of other souls? Or has the devil nearly taken and swamped you with robbing you? 
like he tried to rob David. David says, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Restore unto me. David understood what had happened in his life cost him his joy. There's so many Christians today have lost their joy and they don't realize they need restoration. Many of them have lost their peace and they don't realize they need some soul restoration. Many of them have lost their charity and their love and they become critical and snarky and don't realize they need some soul restoration. A lot of times we see these difficult Christians and we say, wow, they lost it. Or if that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want to be anything like them. But instead, we also need to have the heart of the master, of the shepherd, who said that's, that person probably needs to just be picked up a little bit. We all have our stories. And mine's not unique. There's other people probably have suffered worse and maybe longer, maybe still suffering. But we still have the same Savior and we still have the same shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He knows everything you need and he knows what you need tonight. Many of you have hurt. You've hurt from losses. I want to tell you there's something about a loss, whether it's a loss of a loved one or loss of other things, loss of friendships, loss of family, loss of whatever, but those that leaves holes in your life. You know what I'm talking about. There's things where trouble happens and you think, I don't know if I ever recovered from that. But the song they sang tonight, We Are Still the Church, we will go forward. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the shepherd picks us up and helps us to forget those things that are in the past and use them for the glory of God instead. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, Ask God to get the glory out of it. If he don't get the glory out of it, then what was it worth? And that's what I said to him. I said, Lord, you can take me, and I'm willing to die, but make sure you get the glory out of it somehow. Let's stand as we turn the service back to Brother Tony. I don't know where you're at tonight, but sometimes we just need to come before the Lord and just bow down. Surrender it and pray that prayer, Lord. Restore me. You know what it means to be restored? Put back the way it was supposed to be. There's a lot of things happened in the church that's been taken way out of place. It needs to be put back like it's supposed to be.